you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell, and today I have a very special guest. I'm talking to Erin Carey. She is an entrepreneur, business owner, and world traveler, and she's the founder of Rome Generation, which is a PR agency that really shares stories of travel, leisure, and luxury brands. So I'm so excited to hear her story. Um, She had a very unique career change after working in government for 20 years. She watched a very special documentary called The Maiden Trip, where she saw someone travel across the world, um, sail across the Atlantic. It was the first youngest person. And two years later, her and her husband quit their jobs and bought a 47-foot yacht sight unseen. Now she lives in her yacht. She is doing great. And I'm so excited to just hear about her amazing business and just everything she's doing. Wow, what an intro. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah I mean when you say like that it does sound pretty cool doesn't it um but yeah let's I, I don't get to really um you know appreciate what it is that I'm doing until I do podcast interviews like this so I, I always enjoy telling our story and letting people know how we got here let's start from the very beginning thank you so much for being on the show um what was it like growing up for you in Australia what what was your upbringing like in terms of travel to end up like this uh, well, maybe just the fact that it was the opposite to how we're living now could be why, but uh, we didn't travel overseas at all. It, it kind of wasn't really the done thing. A few kids from my school may have gone to Fiji. Occasionally someone went to America, to Disneyland, but most people just travelled within the state or within the country. So we would go on a holiday every year. Um, and I think that that did kind of start my love for travel because mum would trust me to look through this directory that we had and choose the caravan park or the hotel that we would stay in. And so I loved that. I, I remember studying, you know, every entry in the book and making lists about pros and cons and why we should stay in this place. And I think even as I got older, mum let me ring up and speak to the people to try and arrange the dates and stuff. So that was probably my very first introduction to, to to travel but it certainly wasn't overseas it certainly wasn't in a yacht so yeah it was just very simple family holidays in tents and caravans and cheap cheap motels that's awesome though that you you started planning everything and you kind of grew up with that responsibility because it definitely translates into now um I wanted to kind of pivot to your first job so you worked in government for 20 years what was that experience like in terms of you knew that you wanted something more? How did that feel like from your soul, I guess? Mm. So I studied tourism after school and the first position that I won just happened to be with the Australian government. It was a really good job. It was paying much more than what I would have got had I gone into tourism directly. And so I kind of just ended up in the government. And before I knew it, I never left. Um, there were numerous reasons why I stayed there for as long as I did. The, like I said, the pay was good. The conditions were good. Um, they had 
great uh, maternity leave packages. So every time I thought about leaving, something would come up. You know, I had a child, I had another child, I had a third child. Uh, we we took leave without pay to travel or, um, you know, there'd be various things that would always keep me there. They were very flexible. They allowed me to work part-time when I wanted. So every time I had this feeling of maybe there's more, maybe I could do something different, I was always, I guess, scared. I was too scared to take the plunge because it was safe and I just chose safe over adventure every single time, which doesn't sound like me now. And I'm surprised, I still am surprised at myself that I did stay for so long, but I guess that's what being comfortable is. So I, I, it's not like I stayed in the same job the whole time. I did get promotions throughout that and I had different challenges and different roles. So I had still had that um, those things fulfilled for me, but it, I think I always knew deep down I'd be really great at running my own business. I just didn't know where to start or what that looked like or how to make it happen. And when you're not forced into doing something or when you don't have the space, the mental energy, the time, to lean into that it just doesn't kind of happen so we had three children we were living uh, you know a busy regular life I was working full-time my husband was working full-time um <laughs> sounds like a stampede of elephants going across the boat sorry my children <laughs> they're all exiting the boat but of course in the meantime they're all stomping around on the on the top of the cabin sorry about that um so yeah I just wasn't in the space to explore that and then it wasn't until we took leave of absence from our jobs bought our boat and were uh, free I suppose and didn't I didn't have all of the um, things pulling at me obligations and appointments and running the kids around a sport and work obviously that I started to explore okay what am I good at what do I enjoy what what would light me up and that's when I eventually created my business because I had the mental capacity and the space and the time to do that and now I absolutely love it and could not imagine ever going back to to a job and to working for somebody I love that I love that story and I think you're such a big inspiration to people like me who are just entering their careers that your story has so many important lessons and how you were able to kind of transcend the comfort zone and come to the space where you could start your own business and you had the space to learn more about yourself. That's so cool. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, tell me more about the maiden trip and kind of how you decided to make this big jump. Well, honestly, it was, as simple as just watching one documentary and then looking at each other and saying let's do it (laughs) that's that's like yeah you couldn't even imagine that that would be the outcome because what's the chance of watching a documentary and both people resonating with it normally it would be one or the other Mm -hmm. but yeah honestly we weren't sailors we weren't adventurers we were your regular normal family living in the suburbs like mid-level jobs we weren't rich we don't come from money we were no in no position to be able to do what we wanted to do but from watching that documentary seeing Laura Decker the youngest girl to ever sail around the world um out there on a yacht and having these adventures and uh you know making landfall in foreign countries under the power of her own sails um something struck a chord with 
both my husband and I and at the end of the documentary we just looked at each other and went let's do it (laughs) and we moved to the computer we googled families sailing around the world we found out that it was not only possible but there were hundreds of and potentially thousands of people out there already doing it Hmm. and then our motto kind of became well if they can do it why can't we and so from that night on we we kind of worked towards making the goal happen Uh, and it probably took about two or three weeks before we actually believed that we were going to make it happen and from pretty early on we told our family and friends and um, we spoke about it as though failure wasn't an option we didn't kind of say oh if we go on the boat or when this might happen we were like we're going on the boat we're going to buy a boat we're going to sail around however much of the world we make it around and that's just what we're doing and it kind of just went from there for the next took two years and two months to go from watching that documentary that night to flying out of Australia on one-way tickets to the Caribbean where we saw our boat for the very first time. I love that. What did your, what did your parents and how did your friends react to that when you responded with such confidence that you were going to buy the boat? Oh, they, no one believed us. I think initially that it was probably a mixture of thinking we were crazy, thinking that it was childish or not, yeah, I don't know exactly what they thought, uh, but I do know when we announced it to them, everyone, we did it at the dinner table. It was a family meal and I said, oh, we've got an announcement to make. My sister joked, you're pregnant. I'm like, no, 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 no more children. <laughs> um, and we said, are oh, we going to buy a yacht and go and sail around part of the world? And everyone just burst out laughing. Honestly, they like some people were spat their dinner out. That, that was just in fits of laughter and my sister said that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard what that's so stupid and we were like we felt really deflated because we were super excited um and then you know I went straight to that's ridiculous that's dangerous you can't do that you know uh we moved down here because I moved to Adelaide when I was younger and then all my family happened to move to Adelaide so like we moved here for you and now you're leaving and so, yeah, it took a while for them to accept it. But it all in all, most people were supportive and eventually accepted that what we were doing was going to happen. I think my husband's mum took probably up until about two months before we left for her to actually accept <laughs> that this is actually happening. Yeah. Um, she, you know, she wasn't thrilled about it, neither were my parents, mainly because they were worried about us and they were going to miss us and their grandchildren. But, yeah, it's pretty common. I've heard lots of other people say that they've had the same kind of reactions or far worse. So I think all in all we were actually pretty lucky with how people supported us, um, you know, once they got over the initial shock. (laughs) Yeah. When people were doubting you, how did you and your husband stay true to your goal and stay stay on that timeline of actually making it happen? Uh, I think uh, a few things their doubt only fueled my fire even more. So I wanted to prove them wrong, I suppose. Mm. Uh, I'm also just by nature, very like determined and tenacious. So once I put my mind to something, particularly if I'm very passionate about it, uh, I don't like to give up. Um, But we did a few things. We watched YouTube videos. So we've learned after watching this documentary that there are actually thousands of sailing youtube videos now that sounds really boring and dry but they're they're not like that at all they're actually young mostly young although there's family there's older people there's all sorts of 
people out here doing this. Um, but they're essentially like modern day explorers or adventurers and they're out here uh, having adventures. There's, we particularly fell in love with one called SB Delos and there's another one called The Vagabond. And um, we just would watch their, their YouTube movies every night and that kept us really inspired. And then I found like, lots of Facebook groups where people were doing the same thing as us. So learning that the, the pushback and the negativity was really normal and then they would, you know, give advice and tips on how to overcome that. Um, and then we also employed the help of a coach. So we found uh, a family who had done like a circumnavigation around the whole world and then they'd set up a business where they would coach people like us that were totally green although even if you had some experience no matter what your level of experience was um, they would help you achieve your goal of moving from land onto a boat and that was anything in the whole process whether we needed help with choosing a boat or knowing what to pack or like questioning what kind of training we should have or you know anything whatsoever they helped us with so it was awesome having them there they were called they are called sail totem sailing totem t-o-t-e-m and they still run their business and they still help plenty of people hundreds of people all the time um and they've got special like online groups and everything that you can go in and ask questions so yeah with all of those things that really kept us focused and on track and um, I think the fact that neither my husband and I fell out of love with the idea at the same time, there were definitely times throughout the, those couple of years where we questioned what we were doing or we felt doubts or we were like, is it stupid? Are our kids going to drown? And are we just making like a huge mistake? Um, but it, the other one would always kind of pick pick the other up and go you know no this is going to be amazing and we'd remember all of the ideas of why we want all of the reasons why we wanted to do it in the first place and then yeah we'd move forward and keep going I love that I think that is so cool what was it like I'm just wondering like you did all the planning you did all of the YouTube videos and you had this great coach what was it like when you actually saw the boat and then started living in it was it were there a lot of surprises yeah, look, I remember we because we bought our boat sight unseen, so we bought it over the internet. We did have people look at it for us. Actually, our coaches happened to be in the same island at the same time and they checked it out for us, which is just, you know, you couldn't even plan that. Um, so we were pretty confident that she was a good boat, but when we arrived, we didn't really know what to expect. So I remember walking to the boatyard because she was up on land in big stands and um, we saw her for the first time and we, you refer to a boat as a girl, boat, boats are girls. That's just like a known thing in the world of sailors. Um, and then they kind of become like, I don't know, uh, they take on like a human persona almost and you end up developing feelings for your boat. <laughs> it just sounds stupid, but they come that. like a member of the family and so, yeah, the first time I didn't cry, but in subsequent times, like when we've been away, we had to go back to Australia for 18 months because of the coronavirus. When we came back to our boat, like I cried because it was like seeing an old family member because, you know, she's big and solid and she kept us safe and she took us over oceans and, yeah, and that's pretty common. People really grow attached to their boats. Um, so, yeah, when we first saw her, our first thought was, 
oh my god she is enormous like we were just freaking out going how are we ever going to sail that like that's we've bitten off more than we can chew here (laughs) and then we climbed up the ladder and climbed down into the saloon and we got downstairs and we went oh my god it's tiny how are we going to live in this (laughs) because we've got three boys so there's five of us in this little space 47 foot um and look yeah now it's fine we've completely got used to the fact that we don't have all this space I don't miss it I don't really I mean I actually enjoy being kind of in close quarters and there's a lot more interaction and family time and yeah of course you know we get on each other's nerves at times but we also went back home and experienced living back in a house for 18 months and I felt like it was too big and empty and I would be in the kitchen it would be completely quiet because the kids from the the other side of the house or in the bedroom or all spread out and I really did feel that we spent so much less time together when we lived in a house compared to when we live on the boat and I'm really hoping that that's going to be a good thing for our family as hard as it is at times I I really think that our bond will be all the more stronger because we are living so close together all the time oh I love that I think that is so inspiring and cool and I would love to hear how your kids and your family dynamic just is impacted by being able to see different cultures on a daily basis yeah look my My kids are boys and they are young and I honestly don't think they appreciate what they are experiencing a lot of the time, which is frustrating as a mum. But I do do believe that when they're older, they're going to look back and go, fire up, mum, I can't, or, you know, mum and dad, I can't believe that you did that for us. Like, that's so cool. Um, But, yeah, at the moment they're more like, do we have to do this or do we have to do that? I mean, they're not like that all the time. I've got to give them some credit. They are also pretty cool kids who are far more worldly than their peers. Like that was so obvious when we had to go back to Australia. Um, They they almost had to dumb themselves down to fit back into the school because they were used to speaking with adults and experiencing the world and experiencing different cultures and all other boat kids are very similar they're like super cool kids outgoing speak really well confident and then to put them back into school it was they struggled because they were like different to the other kids by that stage they'd been out for almost two years and um so that was tough so I can see that like I know that there are benefits to this lifestyle. I know that it's going to shape them into super amazing humans because, you know, what kid has done the things that they've done and seen the things that they've seen. Um, And I think little things that I probably don't even notice or that I take for granted, the fact that they are confident to go up and order something in another language and that, you know after uh, two months of being here they know all the money and they go and buy things for me at the shop and they like those things are scary even for adults when you go to a foreign country we're figuring out all the different money and stuff um Mm -hmm. figuring out different languages say my son joined a soccer club here because we were here for two months so we got him enrolled in a local soccer team the kids don't speak a word of English but he gets out there twice 
a week and interacts with his team and plays with all the kids and stuff. And because his name's Christian and they love Christian Ronaldo, they're like, Christian, Christian. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to benefit them for sure in the long run. Um, and they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty excited to go to the next country and they do like exploring. They're pretty adventurous and but there's at the same time they're, they're typical kids as well who are quite would be quite happy to see them play their you know video games if I let them to <laughs> that's so fun <laughs> that is so yeah. fascinating to me just the culture mm-hmm. impact and how kids can connect with other children and adults when they're in those situations is so incredible yeah, let's talk about yeah. you though I mean you're living the dream you're adventuring what is it like with your business tell me more about Rome Generation yeah sure so Rome Generation is a PR agency uh, so public relations and I know a lot of people probably don't even know what public relations is because it's it's not you know it's not that common um, but essentially we help promote brands and businesses and sometimes destinations and sometimes people uh, to magazines and newspapers podcast uh, interviews like this um, articles on blog sites uh, in an effort to raise their brand awareness, raise their credibility, raise their authority. Um, and so essentially, if you compare marketing to PR, marketing is what you're saying about yourself. You're paying for an ad to be in a magazine and you're telling them what to write in this ad. Whereas PR is me compelling somebody else, a journalist or an editor or a writer, to write a story on this travel business. And it's a third-party endorsement by somebody who is not involved in the company uh, is always going to be more credible than something that you've said about yourself. So, yeah, I get to travel around and meet amazing people along the way and then sometimes those amazing people that I meet turn into clients, um, whether they are a boutique hotel or a a food tour in Rome or a bicycle cycling tour around Iceland or a safari in Africa. Um, I haven't met all of my clients and it's not a prerequisite, but yeah, Mm -hmm. those are the the kind of people that we love to work with at Rome Generation. I think essentially if you can appreciate the fact that my business is run from a yacht and if you think that's pretty cool, then we're probably going to be a good fit. Um, so I naturally love adventurous companies and companies that are thinking outside the square, doing things a bit different. Um, and, yeah, uh, my aim is to get my clients those top-tier press wins, get them in travel and leisure, get them on the pages of Forbes or in USA Today or uh, 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 <laughs> Condé Nast Travel. I lost, I lost that for a second. Um, and get them these awesome logos to put on their website because you know when you go to a website and you see as seen in um, Mm -hmm. and then all the logos straight away you think that oh this is a credible company this is it must be like a really popular company all of those places have written about them or they've been in those magazines then I can trust this company and that's that's my aim so to sum it all up because I love travel so much and I have found travel to be so life-changing and as I mentioned at the start of the interview travel was what I initially wanted to do and get into I've kind of found my way back to travel it's not in the form that I thought it would be initially I thought I would be working at at a travel agent or um, 
an air hostess or something although no probably not that but yeah I thought that that's I, w- I didn't I never imagined that I would be running my own business in a PR agency but by me sharing these amazing inspiring stories with the world you're going to read them and you might not be a traveler but you might read this and a little little seed might be planted and then because of that article that you've read that I've been responsible for placing in this magazine you might go and have a life-changing experience too. So I love that I get to have a hand in hopefully changing people's lives for the better. I love that. That is such a unique company dynamic just because you have these stories and you're building stories of your own, which is helping you network with different companies and build their businesses as well. That's very cool. Exactly. And I like to say that, you know, we... We're living the lifestyle we represent. So I've got like a finger on the pulse. We're out here. Actually, all of our team members are also digital nomads and are living in different parts of the globe. So it's really important for me that people that I hire are world travellers as well. Uh, so between us, I think we've been to like 99 countries or something. We added it up one day. Um, wow. Yeah. And um, our storytelling is vivid, meaning the pictures that we're writing and sending to journalists are realistic and we're able to put like a different spin on things because we have traveled to many of these places and we have experienced so many things. So it's really vivid and hopefully stands out more than our competitors and other PR agencies. And I think that's why we get like such great results. The results that we get, as people will see on our website, we've had lots of top tier um, magazine and newspaper and digital um, results. So it helps that I love what I do and my team does too. So yeah, we, we work really hard to get the great results. Do you see anywhere in the media where travel is being misrepresented just in terms of either tourism or simply what a country actually looks like? Uh, look, I'm guilty of this myself. I would have to say on Instagram, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think we all know that it's being misrepresented. Uh, I'm in Tunisia, Tunisia at the moment, which is a country in Africa, and there there is a lot of like it's a third world country, and they're struggling at the moment. There's obviously been the coronavirus. I'm sure that that's had a huge impact on the the country as a whole that I'm not fully aware of. But perhaps because of that, there's a lot of rubbish everywhere, mm. and. It's something now, I think I said at the start of the conversation, I'm used to that because we've been here for a couple of months. But at the start, it was certainly a bit of a culture shock to have, you know, almost feeling like you're walking through a dump at some stages. Obviously, there are parts of town that are cleaner, but overall, there is a lot of rubbish around. And uh, coming from a privileged background, because I'm white and Australian and educated and everything else, it's easy to kind of think, why don't they just clean it up? Like, tourists would be so much more impressed if they just picked up all the rubbish but then you start thinking like that's my privileged way of thinking and it's not that simple where are they putting the rubbish they don't have the infrastructure to even put the rubbish anywhere and then of course the environmental impacts of burning it and burying it and whatever whatever else and they don't have garbage trucks or the the staff to run them and so it's just not that simple. But have I been taking photos of the rubbish or do I turn the other way and take photos of the beautiful doors because t- Tunisia is 
famous and probably a lot of these um, African Middle Eastern kind of countries, beautiful doors, beautiful intricate tiling and artwork. And so I, I'm taking photos of that, obviously. And whereas right behind me, there could be a, a kitten with, um, you know, scabies or ringworm all over it and rubbish all over the ground and somebody begging. Mm-hmm. That's pretty common in a lot of the countries that we've I've traveled to as a family. And um, it's not something that I really post about, probably because I, I'm, I like to stay pretty neutral. I'm not, I'm not often talking about politics or anything like that on my business page or on my personal page. Mm-hmm. And you don't really see much of that on Instagram either. So I think we're all guilty of it. We all probably do it. And is that wrong? I'm not sure. I've, it's, yeah, it's up to the individual, I suppose. But uh, other, other than that, look, I think travel is changing. After the pandemic, people, we want to have experiences where we know that we're not damaging the, the country that we're going to. We want to leave it better than the way we found it. A lot of the um, tour practices prior to the pandemic weren't sustainable. They were bad for the, the city or the country. Mm-hmm. And... Um, whilst you know it's putting money in some people's pockets it's not it's not benefiting the whole country at all so people now want to travel for good they want to have experiences where they can really feel like the what they're doing what they're contributing to the people that they're visiting the tours that they're taking are sustainable and are going to benefit the country in the long run rather than benefit their Instagram page with pretty pictures but be hurting hurting the people that they're taking the photos of essentially so that's one of the trends that we're definitely seeing changing Um, and so I'm excited for when travel opens back up Um, I've got a client who's a safari company in Africa and he donates part of his income to girls uh, who that that then pay for their education because girls education is still not valued where he comes from and so I think it's those kind of things that people are going to be looking for to know that when they go on this trip, they're going to visit villages, they're going to see the locals, they're going to be able to deliver school uniforms or packs of books or sanitary items to them firsthand and make a real difference in the, the places that, um, that they're visiting. Thank you for sharing that perspective and showing how, even though like the media can misrepresent these challenges in our society, there's an optimism toward it and there's change happening because of the pandemic. I think that's the best thing to keep in mind and hopefully something that will keep happening in the years to come. So that's great. I think a lot of good things have come out of the pandemic as hard and as terrible as it has been. So I guess that's all we can do is find the silver lining and rebuild. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about your travels. So have you, I guess, have you seen the world? Have you been around the whole world yet or no? No, (laughs) we haven't. We never intended to sail around the whole world. I I can't honestly tell you whether or not we will sail around the whole world. Saying that is such a weighted statement that I don't think anyone could quite possibly tell you that they're going to sail around the world. I don't know how you could to that because it's so big and things change all the time when you're sailing things break you know you 
you might think you're going to one country and then you end up in another because of there's so many things that can go wrong out here so uh look i don't know originally we thought we'd head back to australia uh now we're going the opposite direction so we started in the caribbean and then we sailed across the atlantic ocean we visited the azores on the way and then we hit the coast of portugal and we've gone into the mediterranean visiting spain and gibraltar and the balearic islands they're also part of spain and now we're down in tunisia on the top of africa so where you can you can you can sail around the world both ways but the typical common safest kind of way i suppose is the opposite direction to what we're going right now so I think once we have our time in um, Greece and Turkey hopefully next summer which is where I really want to get to that's like the the um, pinnacle of the Mediterranean obviously to be able to sail in your own yacht around the Greek islands sounds so dreamy so I really want to achieve that and then uh, who knows we might sail back across the Atlantic Ocean and go back to the Caribbean and then go to maybe Mexico uh, through the Panama Canal and to the Pacific and back to Australia. But it's just that is just such a long way. And we're speaking about like to do it properly a couple of years at least or more of sailing. So I don't know. I don't know where we'll be in six months, to be honest. So mm-hmm. I couldn't really tell you where we'll be in, in a few years. But we've seen a lot of places uh probably I think I'm up to like 46 countries or something although I need to count that again (laughs) um and yeah my children have seen quite a lot now as well so we're definitely very lucky and I'm excited about you know what else is to come because we've just actually been watching some adventuring kind of old documentaries of a famous Australian Albie Mangle and when we watched that, we were like, wow, that is hardcore adventuring. What we're doing is nothing compared to that. Wow. So I know that adventuring is definitely, it's, it like lights me up and makes me so excited. Um, so, yeah, I don't, we can't go back home. We just we can't go back home anytime soon because we're not done. We've, we've <laughs> got more in us. And then once we've been out here, I mean, how do you go back to normal life once you've been out here? We went back once in the pandemic and we're back again so what's the point of going home only to realize that we actually want to come back again so yeah Yeah. I don't know if it'll look like it does now I don't know if we'll we'll always be on a boat or always be sailing but I it'll be I'm I'm open that the universe is going to present some sort of other opportunity to us when the time is right and whether that's you know our being around somewhere or running a, a hotel in Mexico or motorbike riding. I said to my husband, when we're retired, let's ride a motorbike across Africa. He's like, righto. <laughs> so, oh, know, my gosh. Once you do something like what we've done, selling up everything, quitting the rat race and buying a yacht on the other side of the world, things like that don't seem like crazy anymore. You're kind of like, well, we made this work. We sailed across an ocean you know 18 months prior we literally didn't know how to move our boat from a to b and then we sailed across an ocean for like three weeks straight so yeah i can ride a motorbike across africa i'm sure i've never ridden a motorbike before but i'll figure it out (laughs) do you have any advice for someone who has a big dream doesn't have any idea how to fulfill it and just is 
really scared of leaving the comfort zone? Look, <clears throat> this is a cliche, but cliches are around for a reason. Just do it. You won't regret it. And I know that that is just so basic, but when you put yourself out there and do something that scares you, your comfort zone grows, which, you know, most people probably have heard this all before, but when that circle gets wider and you, you realise that doing the scary things aren't actually that scary anymore, you'll be so amazed at what else you can achieve. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I quit my job and the world didn't fall apart and I started up my own business, even though I was so scared to get rid of this safe, you know, easy, easy, well-paying job. I did it anyway and I don't regret it. We sold our house and we don't regret it. We moved to the other side of the world and we bought a yacht and yes, sure, there have been so many challenging times, so many things uh, have, I'm sure would have made the average person go, no, bugger this, this is way too hard, we're going home. But the good times outweigh the bad so we don't regret that either and because we've done that it like I said nothing seems that hard to achieve anymore and that might sound a bit um I don't know like it I might sound a little bit full of myself saying that but I consider myself to be a pretty average person I'm I'm of average intelligence we come from average families like I'm not sporty I'm just a pretty I got average marks at school so if we can do this I'm sure there are so many other people out there that just don't give themselves the credit for what they're capable of and therefore they just don't do it but if you just did it start with something small if it makes you feel better but keep kind of growing and expanding and making scarier bigger steps and the more you do that it's like a muscle the more you flex it the easier it's going to get, the bigger it's going to get. And before you know it, you'll be like quitting the rat race and sailing off into the sunset as well. That's amazing. That is amazing advice. And I'm so, I hope my listeners really take that and use it in their own lives. And I love how you use this muscle idea and how everything scary just becomes so much easier when you push yourself out of that comfort zone. That is so incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, I have one more question I ask all of my guests and I'm really excited to ask you. Um, and I think it'll lead to a good discussion, but if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you not go? Where would I not go? (laughs) Is it wrong that my first thought was back to Australia? I know that's terrible. (laughs) I think to me that just kind of cements that, um, I'm where I'm meant to be, even if it's mm. crazy hard sometimes. But uh, I speak to my family and friends back in Australia all the time and they've had a pretty hard time. They've had like some of the harshest lockdown rules of all of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, people there are suffering lots of mental health problems. They're all pretty scared of the country opening back up. And here we are, I've been travelling freely around the world and experiencing life pretty much as normal out here. So. Yeah, I wouldn't go back to Australia yet, not because I don't love Australia and, of course, it's always going to be home, but uh, I I don't want regular, safe, normal life at the moment. I want, I want more adventure. I love that. Have your friends and family changed their lifestyles to after seeing you make this big leap? 
No. Honestly, no. <laughs> no. No one has. I think they all think we're probably a little bit nuts. Um, and I have a lot of people write to me and say, you're so brave. I would love to do what you're doing, but I could never do that. And I feel like challenging them and saying, well, why? You could, you know, you actually could do this if you really, really wanted to. And I think mm-hmm. that's the difference. Like we really want this. It's almost like you've got to get obsessed, a little bit obsessed about your life, a little bit obsessed about the thing you're trying to achieve because it almost takes that level to, to be able to pull something like this off. Um, mm-hmm. And luckily we were both super excited and determined and passionate about this same goal that we were slightly obsessed because we had to make huge sacrifices to get here. Uh, like I said, we weren't rich. We didn't have money just sitting in a bank account to buy a yacht. We, we literally had to work for that and save that all up. And then we borrowed some money against our house as well. Um, so that made that um, required a lot of sacrifice. We we stopped eating out. We didn't buy takeaway. I didn't buy hardly any clothes for that those two years. We had wow. international students come and live with us. So we only lived in a three bedroom house, but in two of the bedrooms that we kicked our kids out, they were literally sleeping in the lounge room. In two of those rooms, we had two international students, uh, usually from Hong Kong or Japan or China, live with us, and they're, they're um traditions and culture and standards are quite different to ours so it was it was challenging at times to be sharing my home 24 7 having to cook for them clean for them with these international students um I applied for promotion at work we we cut out um luxury things like we got rid of Netflix we got rid of um any subscriptions that we had never bought magazines so so many little things but you would be surprised that uh, how those things add up. It might only seem like $2 or $5 or $10, but it, it really does add up. And it, once you start getting some momentum, it almost becomes like a game. How much can we save this week or how much can we save today? So if we came home and we said to each other, oh, I saved $20 today by walking and not taking the train or whatever, we transfer that money and put it into the savings account. That's how kind of obsessed we got with it but I think that's what you need to be to pull off something huge and but you know that it's only for that short amount of time um so I think that's what got us through had we've had this uh endless goal with no end date we wouldn't have been able to stick to that but because we had set a date from quite early on and I think that this is a really important part of having a big goal is to set a date you know the date it might not turn out be the actual date but if you can have a date in mind and you speak about it as though it's going to happen and you work towards that date as though it's going to happen it's so much more likely that your dream is going to be achieved than rather just saying one day because one day just never comes whereas Mm -hmm. if you say on the 17th of june we're out of here then you'll be amazed at how the universe just conspires to make your dream come true i Love that. I have chills right now. I mean, that is such (laughs) incredible advice. And I really hope my listeners take that and use it for their own lives. I have to point out, I love your plant right there. And since we've had this interview, it's been like moving and I love it so much. That's that's nothing. Sometimes I like, because we're in a marina right now, so we're very spoiled. But sometimes if I'm at anchor and I'm on a Zoom interview, it's like this and I'm like this. (laughs) 
I probably make make my clients feel um seasick just looking at me sometimes but yeah uh not even a sailor likes a rolly anchorage that's a nightmare so I'm very happy to be in a nice flat calm marina at the moment that's so cool well thank you so much for being on the show I am so inspired by your story and I cannot wait to just see the amazing places you get to go and see how your your business keeps growing and your lifestyle is just keeps growing throughout your adventures so thank you so thank much you. yeah thank you so much for having me Cara it was a pleasure I always love telling our story and uh, you've definitely asked a few different questions that um it was fun for me to to have to be challenged and to think about what I would say so thank you for having me yeah thank you so much That was my interview with Erin Carey. I hope you liked this episode. I really enjoyed our conversation and just hearing Erin's career journey during my own career decisions was so inspiring and incredible to hear, especially being a senior in college. If you liked this episode, I encourage you to check out my other interviews. I know my guests will inspire you just like Erin did. And please feel free to reach out to me on social media. I love to hear what you think of the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I can't wait to see where you go. Bye.